Dior Talks. Hello, I'm Justine Piccadilly, and I'm a writer working on a new book called Miss Dior about Christian Dior and his sister Catherine. I'm here to introduce a series of podcasts about Christian Dior and the women in his life, based on a talk that I did at the V&A in London last year with Oriel Cullen, the curator of fashion at the V&A. At the time, I was the editor-in-chief of Harper's Bazaar, and Oriel, the curator of the wonderful V&A exhibition, Dior, Designer of Dreams. She and I discussed the profound ways in which Dior was influenced by his love of women, beginning with his mother, Madeleine Dior, and then by his beloved younger sister, Catherine. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so we'll start um, at the beginning with his mother. Um, so Madeleine Dior, um, she was born in Angers in the Loire Valley and um, she moved to Normandy when she married Maurice Dior. Um, she was 26 in 1905 when she gave birth to her second child who was Christian Dior. And this is a photograph taken um, at the end of the 19th century. And we were just noticing earlier um, that you can see here, you know, this tiny, tiny waist. Um, and Dior, in his autobiography, speaks about um, the, the era of the Belle Epoque. And he says, I was so lucky to have lived through the last years of the Belle Epoque, his earliest childhood. And it really sort of left a lasting memory for him. Yeah, I mean, I think what's so interesting, um, Dior's biography, which is, is a wonderful, well, it's an autobiography, it's a memoir, um, and it's published by the V&A, and it's been kept in print by the V&A. Um, we're very lucky in that it was beautifully translated by Antonia Fraser. But I think that what comes through when you you read his his writing on the subject of La Belle Epoque is it's a semi-imaginary landscape of of an idealised vision of femininity but also of France before two world wars. So before um, France had been scarred literally by the First World War, when you think that there were, you know, trench warfare in France. When I look at this picture, I also wonder how much is idealized and retouched. So people now talk about, you know, digital manipulation and the selfie and um, how women's images of themselves are are changed. My guess is that that is manipulated, that she didn't have a waist quite that tiny. Yeah, you can see there sort of the hint of the airbrush. Mm. Um, but we and we have another picture of her uh, slightly later on. Here she is with four of her. She'd ultimately have five children. Yes. Um, but here with her first four children, and you can see Dior himself there, uh, very sweet in his little sailor collar. Um, and he's very like his mother. Of, of the five children, he was the one who resembled her the most. Um, and she was quite a distant mother, um, but he was sort of adored her and um, was was seen as her pet. But only after he'd memorised the names of her favourite flowers, she was a very keen gardener, um, and he used to follow her around the house. So. And and this garden at, at Granville, which is um, they lived in a villa. Again, it's this sort of idealised golden version um, of of the past, and they lived. Um, 
and and I've been there, and as mm-hmm. you have, and it's it's this wonderful. It's quite an ugly villa. Um, I I know that sounds a terrible thing to say, but it's not beautiful. Um, it's it's very solid and and stolid, but it's got the most incredible setting, and it's on a cliff top in Normandy overlooking the English Channel and there's something that is English looking Mm -hmm. and this was an era of you know when there was so much Anglophilia in Mm -hmm. France so everybody had English governesses and English tweed and you know English horses um, and they learned to speak English and the garden is at the centre of this this idyllic Mm -hmm. childhood and she loved gardening Mm -hmm. and both um, Christian and Catherine, his younger sister, learnt about the power of of gardening. Mm-hmm. Yes, and as we'll see, that sort of really informs his house later on. So in 19, he's born in 1905. In 1909, his sister Francine is born, and then 1910, his brother Bernard. Um, and then in 1917, 12 years after Dior, his youngest sister Jeanette, who later um, takes the name Catherine. Yes, her, her christened name did have Catherine in it. But um, Catherine <laughs> is the baby of the family. And Catherine, you know, there's a big difference in age. There's 12 years between mm. them. Um, but they were clearly close from, from the the, the beginning, I think what they shared, first of all, was the love of gardening. Mm-hmm. But and there is little Catherine um, between the, these two very bourgeois parents um, and the bourgeois family. And then their world falls apart. Mm-hmm. So the very significant things that happen to the so the Dior family are the epitome of established, wealthy, you know, bourgeois. Um, Maurice, the father, had inherited the family fertilizer fortune, um, which, you know, when the wind blew in the wrong direction in Granville, you could smell the factories, but of course it, it paid for the it paid for everything. It paid for the governesses and the garden and the house and the tutors. Um, but then in the wake of the Wall Street crash, Morris lost all his money. Mm-hmm. And then soon afterwards, um, Bernard, um, one of the brothers, um, developed a mental illness, which we later know was schizophrenia. And... And in Christian's interpretation, his mother died of a broken heart. Yeah, she was just 51 when she passed away. And Catherine was just 14 at the time. Yeah, and so Catherine was left motherless. Um, one of the brothers is... So Bernard was in a mental hospital, which he, he never came out of. And, and Morris and um, Catherine and the, the governess moved to a little, tiny little house in the south of France, in Provence. So they moved from great wealth to really a much more humble way of life. And at this point, I think that Christian, who'd had... People had described him as a dilettante. Mm -hmm. Actually, he cared about art. He'd set up a really um, remarkable modern art gallery Mm -hmm. where he was exhibiting... Dali, yes, Chagall, Man Ray. Man Ray. But, but he has to take responsibility and he feels that he has to take responsibility for his little sister 
Catherine. At the same time, he is recovering from TB. So the family is really fractured mm -hmm. and at risk. So, but speaking of Catherine later on, um, I think we've got a picture of her here. Um, so Dior retrains after the art gallery as a fashion artist and gradually builds his way up and then gets permanent employment at the house of Robert Piguet. Um, of course, the war intervenes, he's called up. His battalion is sent to farm, so he actually spends his, his sort of service digging and uh, digging ditches and digging farm. Um, he's on farm duty. And interestingly, there is that link with that love of gardening. Mm -hmm. um, also, the love of gardening you see when, you know, Christian Catherine and their father and the governess are, you know, on a little farm in Provence. Mm -hmm. So they return to the land. Yes. So he's, he's demobilized under the occupation and goes to the south of France. Yes. He, he sort of spends his time there with the, the With family. Catherine. And at this point, Catherine um, joins the French resistance. And it's a very unusual thing to do. I mean, when we look, when we look back at the history of the Second World War, people, I think, often assume that more people were in the resistance than really were. Really only 1% of the French population actively resisted. And Catherine was one of them. And she joined a resistance unit. She fell in love um, with somebody who was relatively senior in the resistance, who was married with three children. So that was quite a... Um, well, uh, uh, I suppose in times of, of crisis, people do break rules. But she was this well-brought-up Catholic girl with a Catholic education who starts having an affair with a married man and joins the resistance. And she was a very brave member of the resistance. And then in 1944, she was arrested by the Gestapo, tortured in Paris, didn't give away... Um, any of her, the names of her colleagues, and also protected her brother, Christian, who was gay. So at that point, that was enough to get you sent to a concentration camp because of the Nazi regime, but also didn't give any of the names of the people in her unit. And then she was, um, she was tortured, she was imprisoned, and she was sent on the last train out of Paris, and she ended up at the Ravensbrück concentration camp and the train that she was on out of Paris was 10 days before the liberation of Paris and then she had um, you know 10 months of appalling and terrible suffering and in that period Christian was beside himself with worry and didn't give up hope. I mean, nobody knew if she was dead or alive. He tried everything he could to get her released, and we'll come to mm -hmm. a woman who, who did her best. But he also um, kept the faith by consulting another very important woman in his life, Madame Delahaye, who was a clairvoyant, who said, Catherine is alive. Mm-hmm. 